Volume One, Chapter Thirteen of Celestina. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Celestina by Charlotte Turner Smith. Volume One, Chapter Thirteen. Neither the person or the mind of Celestina were of that sort which make the strongest impression on the first view, and interesting as her figure and face were, it was the grace as well as the symmetry of the former, and the expression rather than the beauty of the latter that made her altogether so enchanting. Willoughby and Vassiver were now with her every day, and while her lover found in every hour of those days more reason to congratulate himself on the choice he had made, his friend grew insensibly so interested for Celestina that, volatile and unsteady as he had been till then, he found that though considering her already as Willoughby's wife, he could form neither hopes or designs for himself, yet that her happiness was the first wish of his heart, and that without violating his warm friendship towards his friend, he, for the first time in his life, envied a man who was going to be married. The present happiness of Willoughby could be exceeded in his idea only by that which he imagined he had secured to himself by having determined to live only for the happiness of celestina and in continually contemplating her perfections he endeavoured to justify to himself the measures he had taken and to dismiss from his mind the unpleasing circumstances which might have robbed him of her for ever he had written, after many attempts, to Lord Castlenorth, declining to carry any farther a negotiation in which his inclinations had never any share, and though he softened this mortifying information as well as he could, he was sensible of the bitterness and resentment it must create, and indeed was so little satisfied himself with his performance that after the fifth or sixth attempt he would have delayed or wholly have evaded sending a letter if vassiver had not with many arguments and much difficulty persuaded him that resolved as he was to break with the family any letter he could write in explanation would be less offensive than total silence celestina was very solicitous to know how he had acquitted himself towards his uncle yet as he seemed seducedly to avoid the subject she feared to give him pain by recurring to it and yielded perhaps too easily to the artifices she saw he used to draw her thoughts from it while he studying every turn of her speaking face often saw by the pensive cast it assumed uneasy thoughts arise in her mind and on those occasions exerting himself to dispel them 
he delighted to recall their sparkling vivacity to her eyes. El Lampidie del Angelico Rizzo, which never bestowed greater charms on any countenance than on that of Celestina. It was now decided that as soon as the settlements were finished, which Willoughby had directed rather according to his love than to his fortune, and which were likely to take up about three weeks, Celestina was to become mistress of Alvinstone. He had promised to her to forbear making about that delightful place any of the alterations he mediated, till his income was so far retrieved as to allow him to do it with prudence but he had a thousand reasons ready why celestina should go there every day for to reside there entirely till she was married she had refused with such firmness as left willoughby nothing to urge with any chance of success partial as himself to this spot where she had passed the happiest hours of her life she yet in her present situation felt distressed and uneasy at the thoughts of visiting it but willoughby pressed it with so much earnestness that as the weather was now fine and she had defended herself as long as she could she at length on condition of having jessie with her agreed to go there for a whole day and that willoughby should fetch them both in his phaeton c'est le premier pas qui coûte says a french proverb he longed to have this day over knowing that the memorials of his mother which celestina would there meet with and which he feared would give her some uneasy sensations would after she was accustomed to see them lose their effect on her mind and that she would insensibly learn to behold them rather with agreeable than uneasy sentiments he persuaded himself that such a revolution had been effected in his own mind and that notwithstanding his clear recollection of certain forcible words his mother had used in their last melancholy interview he was in making himself happy doing that which if she had yet any knowledge of human events she would most warmly approve intoxicated with his passion which reason and taste seemed so entirely to justify and an extorted promise only to oppose willoughby no longer suffered any uneasy recollections to cast a shade over the bright prospect opening before him he now saw celestina the woman he had from his infancy adored in the spot where his local affections were so fondly settled nothing seemed like to impede his passing with her there a life of uninterrupted felicity and till their union could take place his greatest anxiety was to to detach her imagination from all those objections which might yet linger in her mind and to confirm her in the persuasion that to con constitute through her future life the happiness of the son of her benefactress 
would be her best acquittal of those obligations she owed to her in the early part of it instead therefore of suffering her to visit immediately the particular parts of the house which she knew would be most forcibly recall ideas which might distress her he desired vassiver to attend on jessie and follow them into the garden where when they were at a little distance he related to celestina the measures he had already taken to restore or rather to introduce her amiable and injured friend to the favor of her grandfather celestina warmly approved his proceedings and gratefully acknowledged his kindness while the hope of seeing jessie rescued from the severe hardships to which she must otherwise be exposed and rewarding the disinterested attachment of her deserving lover was most grateful to her generous heart willoughby himself never seemed so perfect as when thus employing his time and his power in the service of the unhappy the fine scenery around her never appeared to such advantage as now when she leaned on one arm while with the other he pointed out to her its various beauties and at this moment the very season seemed to add something to her felicity within a few days the whole face of nature was changed the snow which had covered every object with cold uniformity had now given place to the bright verdure of infant spring the earliest trees and those in the most sheltered situations had put forth their tender buds the copses were strewn with primroses and march violets and the garden glowing with the first flowers of the year while instead of the usually rude winds of the season those gales only blew which call forth the long expecting flowers and wake the purple year myriads of birds who found food and shelter amid the shrubberies and woodwalks seemed to hail with songs their future lovely protectress hopped in her walks and gambled in her eyes and while everything was thus gay and cheerful without the house when she entered it shrewd her only contented faces the old servants its ancient and faithful inhabitants had known and loved her from her earliest childhood and rejoiced in the hope of ending their days in her service the tenants who loved their young landlord were glad to find that instead of carrying his rents to london he was coming to settle among them and the poor who had now for some time severely missed the bounty which had marked mrs willoughby's annual residence among them invoked blessings on her son from whom they were assured of more constant consideration from his own noble nature as well as from the influence of celestina who as they well remembered was formerly the successful meditrix between them and their deceased mistress when her own daughter had frequently heard their petitions with indifference or avoided them with disgust in a few days after the first visit to alvastone 
a fortunate circumstance occurred to facilitate the good offices willoughby had undertaken in favor of jessie woodburn the old female relation who had acquired unbounded influence over her grandfather died suddenly and the old man thus restored to the little power of reflection to his very advanced age left him and alarmed by the death of a person younger than himself no longer refused to listen to the remonstrances of a clergyman in the neighborhood who had by willoughby been engaged to speak to him in favor of his daughter's child he consented to see her provided no attempt was made to introduce her father to him towards whom neither time age or sickness had blunted the asperity of his hatred but though these ossidious passions retain from habitual indulgence all their inverted malignity the softer feelings of natural affection were dead in him and rather yielding to impunity than prompted by inclination he consented to receive his granddaughter to officiate about him as a servant and stipulated that during his life she should be no expense to him thus grasping to the last moment of his existence that which he had never enjoyed and could no longer want as he had nobody he valued more he consented however after many persuasions to make a will by which he gave her everything on the express condition to use his own phrase that her father might never be the better for it it was necessary though this important point was carried that jesse should by residing with him preclude the possibility of being again superseded by some of those mercenary beings who are in all ranks of life ready to surround the couch of the dying miser a necessity celestina admitted with reluctance and jesse with tears and regret but they were both consoled by the reflection that a very short time must in some degree reunite them by the removal of celestina to alvanstone which was within a walk of the farm at which her friend was now to reside willoughby having thus far succeeded for the interesting protege of celestina determined to complete his generous work by attending to the situation of cathcart he knew nothing could be more highly obliged her to contribute to whose slightest satisfaction was the supreme pleasure of her life and his own good heart prompted him to lose no time in relieving the unmerited distresses of a deserving young man he wrote therefore without communicating what he had done to cathcart enclosed him a bank-note for his expenses and informing him all that passed in regard to jesse desired that he would relinquish his place with the attorney and come down to alvanstone where willoughby meant that the same day which gave him celestina should unite cathcart to her humble friend 
the joy this unexpected turn of fortune gave to cathcart can better be imagined than described the sickness of the soul which long despondence and anxiety had produced vanished at once his immediate care was to secure his sister and her children's support during his absence and reserving to himself no more of willoughby's generous present than sufficed for the expenses of his journey he took a tender leave of mrs elphinstone assuring her that the first use he would make of his good fortune should be to assist her he then set out on a hired horse for alvinstone where he arrived ten days before that which was fixed upon for his patron's happiness and his own if willoughby had been greatly interested for him before he saw him he was much more so now that he found him very intelligent and well informed with abilities that might have made his way to any situation of life and a heart that would have done honour to the most exalted his knowledge which was very extensive was without pedantry and his gratitude without servility the meeting between him and jessie at which willoughby contrived that celestina should be present was very affecting and after the first transports of happiness so unexpected had a little subsided willoughby explained to them his views for the future you my dear jessie said he must not think of leaving your grandfather who must know nothing of your marriage while he lives which can according to the course of nature be only a very little time and as you may see each other every day this partial separation may for that little time be easily borne as for you cathcart you will stay with me i have in consequence of my new plan of life many regulations to make and many accounts to settle in which you can be of great use to me poor beechcraft my old steward is in his eightieth year and the palsy has lately made such ravages in his intellects that he is unequal to the common business of his office while he lives however and thinks himself capable of executing his trust i am very unwilling to mortify him by taking the affairs out of his hands at his death i shall not replace him but become my own steward and you my good friend can be of the most effectual service to me in preparing everything for this arrangement while your neighborhood to the estate of which you will probably soon become master will give you an opportunity of inspecting it and settling those plans for the future which will i hope believe make you a very fortunate man while the considerate kindness of willoughby endeared him every hour to celestina and while the hearts of cathcart and jessie overflowed with gratitude it would have been hardly possible for a happier party to have been anywhere found than 
that which now occasionally inhabited alvastone if the painful recollection of willoughby's violated promise could have been entirely expelled from the con conscious recollection of celestina and if vassiver had not sometimes felt towards celestina something bordering on serious love which was a sentiment so new to him who had never thought with respectful affection of any woman before and had passed too much of a, his time in scenes of fashionable debauchery that he hardly knew himself what it meant he formed however no designs for his temper was generous candid and artless so artless indeed that he took no pains to conceal what he felt almost without understanding his feelings and frequently fixed his eyes on celestina with so impassioned a look or spoke to her or of her with such unreserved marks of fondness and admiration that jessie and cathcart both saw it with some alarm but willoughby too liberal for jealousy and knowing his friend more inclined to general libertinism among the looser part of the sex than capable of a particular attachment to any woman of character sure of celestina's affection and imputing all vassiver's attentions to his admiration of beauty whenever found either notice not his manner or held him to be wholly without consequence while celestina perfectly unconscious of the power of her own charms treated him with that affectionate familiarity which his own open and lively manners encouraged and which his friendship for willoughby and the obligations they both owed to him justified only three days were now to intervene before that fixed for the double wedding which was to be celebrated in the parish church at alvanstone in the presence only of two trusty servants and vassiver who was to act as father to both the brides very different prospects of life from those which now were before willoughby and celestina had opened to mr and mrs molyneux who on their arrival in ireland had found sir oswald molyneux just alive he lingered unexpectedly a few weeks after their arrival and then died leaving to his son an immense fortune of which sir philip hastened to take possession and to display as soon as decency permitted his wealth and his interest while matilda now lady molyneux lost no opportunity of availing herself of the clat which almost boundless fortune gave to novelty nobody was so much followed and admired no taste was so universally adopted no parties so splendidly attended as hers and having thus attained the summit of what she fancied happiness she was in no haste to return to england till she had exhausted the felicity ireland offered her and cheerfully acquiesced in her husband's proposal of staying one summer at their magnificent seat about twenty miles from dublin 
in the meantime she had heard from her brother whose resentment towards her husband did not extend to her of his having broke with the castlenorths and his intentions in regard to celestina she disliked both lady castlenorth and her daughter and therefore was pleased with their mortification and disappointment she had now no pecuniary claims on her brother and heard therefore with indifference his resolution to marry a woman without fortune and as to celestina though she was incapable of any affection for her yet she thought she would make a good quiet wife for her brother and be well adapted to that insipid domestic life his turn for which she had always pitied and despised as willoughby's just resentment against sir philip had never given her any concern she gave herself no trouble to remove it and sir philip himself above all attention for the feelings of others and too much a man of the very first fashion to understand the claims of relationship or to feel those of friendship was as unconcerned as if no such resentment had ever been deserved and while they both enjoyed their newly acquired consequence in ireland willoughby was suffered to proceed on his way at alvastone without recompense and almost without notice but neither the neglect of his sister or the sullen resentment of his uncle and lady castlenorth from whom he heard nothing now gave willoughby any concern his happiness was out of their power to disturb or prevent since one day only intervened before he was to be the husband of celestina End of Volume 1, Chapter 13 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.